Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. The Worths are a family portrait of dysfunction. When Grandma Mabel dies suddenly, they must set aside their differences and come together. Mayhem quickly ensues as long-buried family secrets bubble to the surface with a shocking revelation. But as they begin to find their way back to each other, they soon realize that while you can't choose your family, you can choose to be friends with them. And that is the backstory behind this very funny, relevant, timely comedy drama about all of those things and more. The film is called Family Squares, and we're joined today by the director, Stephanie Lang. Stephanie, welcome to Film School Radio. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I am so thrilled to have you with with us today. And first of all, anyone who has a family (laughs) will be able to relate on so many different levels to this film. Uh, It is funny. It is poignant. It is it is endearing and at the end of the day, just a very, very fun watch. Uh, what inspired this project? Well, how did you get into this? Well, I I had written a script probably a couple of years ago that was inspired by my family in North Carolina and actually Spring Hope, North Carolina. And it was at a time when I took my three kids to be with my grandmother when she was passing. And and obviously very sad. She was 93 and it was it was incredibly sad. All the, you know, but she had lived a full life and it wasn't a surprise, but the absurdities of everything that happened after her death, I just was, I think I was just making mental notes of how crazy it was as a family. We were fighting about the most ridiculous things, you know, trying to cope with grief, which is just feels honest, you know, because that's what we do. And then I had gotten busy directing some television projects and COVID hit. And right before COVID hit, my mother suddenly passed away on Thanksgiving day but I was in New York and she was in Los Angeles. So we had to say goodbye over FaceTime, which obviously was incredibly hard uh, for, for obvious reasons. But I didn't know that, you know, less than four months later, COVID would hit and it would become a norm to say goodbye to someone over, you know, remotely over Zoom or FaceTime. And so, you know, when COVID hit, I, I jokingly, like I blame my manager, Brian Steinberg for this entire project that was started off as an experiment. Now I'm so pleased with what happened, but I was joking. We were six weeks into the first lockdown and I, I said, I'm going crazy. I'm like, I don't know how many more days I can power wash my deck. You know, what am I doing? I've ordered a power washer. Like I, what, I don't want to make bread. I'm just going to power. I don't know. And I said, I jokingly said, if I was uh, Steven Soderbergh, I would probably send cameras to cast and just make that, make that movie. I'd be making a movie. And he said, um, well, why don't you? And here we are. Here <laughs> so we are. That's basically, the, that's the genesis. And the interesting thing about that is Zoom has become as part of, as much a part of our lives now as cable TV or Uber or something. It, you know, we just, we've, it would have, it would have seemed very weird a few years ago, but now this is the life in the world we live in. 
And it's one thing for that to be true. It's another for you to be able to do this film in a way that checks all the boxes in terms of connecting to characters, to establishing relationships, to kind of seeing backstories without them being acted out in front of you in in various ways. And and he just did a fantastic job. And I want to just give credit to your your co-writer on this, Brad Morris, and your, Mm -hmm. your ability to make these characters come alive in a two-dimensional realm that we're watching. I mean, we see them outside of that, but nonetheless, most of the action takes yeah. where we're looking at them in a two-dimensional way. So talk a little bit about those choices you were making as a director in order to make that happen. Well, I think that we, so we basically, I mean, when I went to cast it, you know, after we had this, this after the idea came about because of Brian, we very quickly, I just started calling everybody that I, love to work with and that I feel inspired by and starting with, you know, Sherry Thomas, who did the casting for me. And then very quickly, Alex Sachs and Jonathan Tropper and Patrick at Somerville. And I was like, I'm going to try this crazy experimental movie. Do you want to come and play? And then, but everyone said yes. And then we kind of pulled Brad and I pulled the script apart, kept some scripted moments, made it more of an ensemble. And then at some point I was like, well, it's going to be improvised a little bit off of a beat sheet. So let's just send a letter to cast. I'll tell them why we're making it. You know, I feel like I can tell a story about someone dying remotely because it happened to me. Let's see if any, let's see if we get someone. It was such a test. We're like, well, I'm going to send this package to Henry Winkler and Elsie Fisher and see if they say yes. And it was a letter for me, uh, basically a whole summary of here's your family. Here's everybody that's in your family. Here's the backstory. Here's the character you're going to play. And here's how we're going to do this. Or here's how we think we're going to do this. Meaning at the time I said, we're going to send everything to you. I just didn't know that was going to be cases of, um, you know, iPhones and cabled color coordinated cables and microphones. But I, I naively thought it would be a lot easier technically than it ended up being. However, if I had known how hard it would have been, I probably wouldn't have been, I would have been afraid to ask. So we mailed them this thing. We didn't give them a script. And everybody said yes. And so that's six weeks later we were filming and I just was so important to be authentic and to let them talk over each other and to not pretend we were anything other than what it was. And so, yes, we wanted stuff scenes in person. I think when we started the project, we're like, well, we had greater ambitions of doing more of those, but COVID continued and the process, it just got further away. And when we filmed it in, in August of 2020, we were, you know, we were, in, we were still worrying if we had enough toilet paper and, and really nobody was leaving their houses. And so I actually, part of me is not really sure how we made this movie, to be honest. So well, it feels like that from what you're describing, it feels like in the course of making this, you hit a groove of some kind yeah. where everybody got used to the idea of doing it this way. And then they found their voices or what or whatever sequence that happened. They found their voices and got used to doing it, but they found it. They found it. And I think it was it was surprisingly intimate. And we scouted their houses with FaceTime. We went into their closets. We picked their wardrobe over FaceTime. Uh, we, the DP and myself FaceTimed, you know, with them walking around their houses and picking places for certain scenes to take place. We sent them some items to kind of enhance stuff. But that was still at a time when we weren't even sure we could deliver something to your house. We're like, we'll leave it on the driveway for two days and then you can go pick it up. You know, <laughs> we weren't sure. And so, and then uh, we hired an aunt for our first AD, Paula Case, brought in this incredibly patient second AD, Luke Maxey, who 
happened to have a lot of technical savvy and he put these packages together for this cat. I've that man has the patience. I have never seen anyone with such patience and this movie would not exist without him because we, he sent these packages and unlike being in person, doing a filming in person, we didn't have rehearsal in person, obviously, or anything in person, but they had to go through, instead of hair and makeup, they had to go through a tech check. So they had to log in on the computer they were given and talk to Luke for a good 35 minutes to make sure everything was up and running with all of their cameras. And then they'd be allowed into the, the Zoom that we used to communicate, like the one you and I are on right now. And we recorded all of those just because... We thought it would be fun to record how we were communicating, but then they, then they, then they all set up like two to three cameras all the time. I mean, you know, wow. it was so the crazy. cast set up. The cast is really part of the crew in very, in a very real sense in this. Right? Oh yeah. On Henry's third day, he had set up his frame and I, we all logged into zoom. Cause I was, I was looking, I monitored the cameras through Microsoft meets and we communicated over zoom. So I toggled between two screens. They just saw me on a zoom screen. And I logged in and, uh, and Henry said, you know, how do you like my frame today? <laughs> do you like my frame? So we, I think that uh, it just became such a bonding experience for us because we, because it, it gave us companionship during that time, which is why we were stressing so much that it wasn't, it wasn't filmed as a simulation of lockdown. Like we were locked down. And I think the, the boys like Scott MacArthur and Billy Magnuson and Tim Simons had never met. They golf together. They're friends now. I mean, the, the one scene we did in person with Billy Magnuson and Scott, we played a terrible joke on Tim, who was supposed to be there that day, but couldn't because the show he was on had a COVID scare. And we, Scott texted Tim and said, uh, do you have Stephanie's cell number? We're stuck at the border and they've just taken Billy away. <laughs> In the, the Canadian border, we can't, I can't, I don't know what happened. So they played a terrible prank on him. And then he started texting me saying, are you at the border in Canada? Like where it was happened. Was happened? It was anyway, it was just, um, so we became our own little film family. And you just said something that I have, this is sort of a pet observation of my, on my part. And that is over the years of the filmmakers that I've interviewed where they've been faced with some certain kind of uh, adversity to make their film, so often the film that they're making reflects the hardship of whatever it was they were going through to make the film or vice versa. Sort of, I mean, it's just funny, and not funny, it's, it's, just, yeah. it's just a weird thing that happens in the course. Yeah. And it's part, I think it's part of art. The collaboration, yeah. you, you go with what you know, what's, what's in front of you, and it somehow becomes part of whatever it is that you're doing, right? Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, and I, we kept our Zoom open all day. We would just like, our call time would be, you know, 9 a.m. and everybody would log into Zoom and and then we would talk all day. We kept the, the windows open and had lunch and would disappear and say, I'm going, I'm going to get a coffee and come back. And it, you know, I think it was a lifeline for a lot of us, you know, and I mean, obviously a lifeline because we have our, our family with us, you know, in person, but just to be able to tell a story and to do what we felt, you know, what we feel inspired or what we, what we feel like we're here to do really was really meaningful. And that's the important thing I want to underscore while we're talking about kind of the making of the film, the film itself is just wonderful. It is, as I said at the very beginning, and it's in, it's in the introduction, it's about family. It's about things that we love about each other, but also the things that drive us completely crazy and the irrational things that we have to offer one another in these intense situations. Grandma is dying and then dead in the film. And it's kind of that part of it is, is it's so funny. I mean, it's poignant. It, it's, you know, it is, but it's also 
there's a, there's such a an intelligence to the humor here. I, I mean, I, I really think that it we're kind of I hope I want, I want to say this right, but mm. yeah, yeah it's it just it's smart humor, and everybody in the film is smart. I, I I mean, I don't know another way to put it. I'm probably not doing a very good job, but that's what that's how I felt watching it. The fact that Grandma, in some ways, I don't want to give too much away. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> I just, well, I think it, I think that it was what I said basically was play it real. Yeah. Don't don't play a joke. Right. Just play it real. And it will be funny because it's absurd. It's absurd. The situation is absurd. The times that we're living in are there's so much like craziness right now or stating the obvious that just be real and step on each other and we'll figure it out in the edit or that classic phrase of we'll figure it out in post, which was not a small thing because we had 22 cameras out and um, we had to rebuild the zooms because they filmed, you know, they filmed themselves. And so we, we, you know, the editor, Joe Klotz, I mean, also again, the patience, I don't even know the patience of this man because again, it was sort of like, this is an experiment. We're making, we're making this. I think I see it. I see what I see what it wants to be. I see what how I want to make it. Will it be that? I don't. I don't know. Thankfully, it is. But but we rebuilt every Zoom, every screen, every frame, every scene is like rebuilt with the boxes, and it was a yeah, it was a lot. <laughs> well, we're speaking with the director as well as the co-writer of the film Family Squares, and that would be Stephanie Lang. I want to talk about the cast because there's so many people in here that I have been a fan of for so long. Uh, Henry Winkler is, I mean, this part of his career has really taken off. And every time you see him now, whether it be on Barry or whatever it is he's been in of late, and this one is no exception. He just brings such a warmth to his character. He brings it here and vulnerability and, and ways that just really, really make his character particularly uh, relatable and great. Uh, but in terms of comedic talent, I'm a huge Judy Greer fan. I can't even begin to tell you how much I love Judy Greer. So wonderful to see her in here. Sam Richardson and Tim Simons from Veep. We know them from that. Casey Wilson and Dowd. Elsie Fisher, you mentioned from eighth grade. Um, there, I mean, everybody. There's somebody named uh, uh, McLaren Lang in here. Um, and uh, everyone's great in it, by the way. Is that, that is her <laughs> by the way, that's her relationship, uh, Lang, the McLaren? That would be, that would be, that would be my son. Okay. <laughs> I, just, well, I did no research on that part, so I didn't know. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. Well, very good. Very, again, it's, it's a, it's, it's funny, but the cast on the kind of on a, on a dime can turn around and be, warm and cantankerous and and obstinate and funny and loving in in a in a scene within a scene mm -hmm. it can go i love the opening kind of uh repartee between casey wilson and judy greer and that sort of <laughs> that latent hostility that just bubbles up if you have a sibling you know exactly yep. what this is gonna where this is gonna end up but uh, <laughs> You know, it, it's uh, it, it's just very it, I, I enjoyed really enjoyed this a lot. Um, tell me a little bit about I mean, you mentioned we've been talking about the the production, but the bringing these all this cast together. Um, you have a little history from Veep with Sam and Timothy. But yeah, you're right. You rounded up. It looks like some of your favorite people are in this film to me. Uh, yeah. And I think like I. I, again, will just like, you know, talk about Sherry Thomas and how inspiring she is to me as a casting director. She's never, it's never not, it's never obvious. 
and and she's always down to just like take a risk and 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 we like to get things done right like we I mean we work on a lot of projects together but I just like that's why that's why in the early phases of prep I thought well okay we have the money to make this we have like really we have producers we have the story we have the script we have like we can pull this apart um will we get cast and you know sometimes you don't sometimes you do you know and it depends on so many things and I felt like if we could get one person we would be making the movie and the one the first person in was Elsie Fisher and followed very shortly by Henry Billy and June Squibb (laughs) and um you know and I had been working with Billy on Made for Love and just uh, just the willingness to play. And of course, like Tim Simons, I think anything that I do, I just always, I always call Tim and say, do you want to come play this? Do you want to be, we haven't seen you play a father to a teenage daughter before. Do you want to do this? And then I had worked with Zoe Chow on Love Life and called and said, you know, it's tiny. It's not a huge thing, but she was on another project and and filmed it from her parents' house. I'm just so inspired by everyone who said yes and and their willingness to take this on and and also not knowing like none of us knew how technically, I think we were just all like, well, I've never done this before. I, why not? And then really bonded. But just, it was important to me to build the cast, like as you would with any film, just building the Worth family and thinking about the personalities and knowing that there's some, you know, that June Squibb gives out some secrets and not telling everybody what the secrets were. So, you know, Judy knew some things, not all of them. Um, you know, without giving any spoiler alerts away, but we would, when we were filming, we would text, we, you know, and so in addition to being on Zoom and, and them, them filming their cameras and and me watching them film, um, I would just text, text the cast and say, why don't you ask her about the money? And then Scott would, on the next take, Scott MacArthur would be like, Hey, I want to, I want to talk to you about the money. And then they would just go off on a tangent about money and someone stealing money. <laughs> so we had, our sessions were long. We, we recorded for a long time <laughs> because, you know, there's some of the great, the, some of the best comedians around, right. And they all know how to improv really well. So, yeah, yeah, they do. And it's good. You mentioned Timothy uh, Simons and I, 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 you're right. I'm glad to see him, not the character from Veep, even though he did an amazing job on Veep. I mean, incredible. Yeah. Everybody on Veep did a great job. By the way, I'll let our listeners know you were a big part of the program Veep for many years. Uh, executive producer, producer, as well as you directed some. Yeah, I was the first American director on the show. Outside I'm very proud of, of that. <laughs> yeah, outside of Armando. Did he do the first season or so? Or do I have Armando did so. Armando, yeah, Armando Anucci did the first four seasons, which is what I did. So I met, I I was brought on to Veep. I met Armando, and um, he pulled me in to be an exec producer. And then he directed, um, and see, you know, obviously every season he he directed some, but also Chris Morris did, and Chris Addison, um, and Becky Martin. And then in season four. I asked if I could direct and Armando and Julia were very supportive and I directed two episodes in season four. It's fantastic. What a great lineage Armando brings to humor, to, to this kind of humor, this, this very sharp satirical humor that he brought from his time at, as a big part of uh, that in England, brought it here with Veep in an amazing, an amazing show. Truly one of the great, I tr- I'm going to say it, Truly one of the greatest uh, sitcoms you know, yeah. of all time. It's easily, easily one of the very best. So, Well, and such a great like person for me to sort of learn from, right? As I'm stretching my wings creatively as a storyteller and filmmaker, like 
there's nothing lazy about Armando, right? And um, when I say that, I mean he is constantly rewriting and reworking and and um, and trying to do it differently. And I remember there being moments where they would have to take out all the all the swear words in the script and find another way to insult each other. And some of those insults are the, the ones we repeat now, you know, years later. So really just, um, you know, have so much admiration and, and respect for him. But really, what great people to be around to kind of figure out how you want to tell comedic stories. Well, I'll, I'll, one last thing in our love fest for Armando Iannucci. I think Death of Stalin is one of my favorite films. I think it's just genius level in my in my humble opinion. I truly, it's a work of art. So uh, I agree. Yeah. Well, this is so fun. I love Family Squares, and I'm so glad you made it. Can you imagine, envision yourself incorporating some version of what you did here in Family Squares moving forward with you? Do you feel like you've mastered this part of filmmaking? Or, or is well, it, I hope, is I hope a- we don't have to do that again. I hope that it's received as a time capsule to this weird phase in our lives. Um, and I would hope that they're with this family that we'll get to see them again, but maybe they can bust out of their boxes and take a trip together somewhere. <laughs> Very good. The film is called Family Squares. It is in theaters right now, as well as available on VOD, Video On Demand. So look for it. You'll have such a great time with it. And you can see it with your family and then you can have all your own arguments and you can you can do all the things that <laughs> as seen on TV, uh, <laughs> you know, with it and uh, just so much fun. Uh, Family Squares co-writer as well as director Stephanie Lang. Thank you so very much for your time and come back anytime. Thank oh you. My, thanks for having me. Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. 